Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Catechism in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's plan of sheer goodness for us, revealed in Scripture and passed down through the tradition of the Catholic faith. The Catechism in a Year is brought to you by Ascension. In 365 days, we'll read through the Catechism of the Catholic Church, discovering our identity and God's family. As we journey together toward our heavenly home, this is day 227, 227, reading paragraphs 1659 to 1666. It is Nugget Day. As always, I'm using the Ascension Edition of the Catechism, which includes a Foundations of Faith approach, but you can follow along with any recent version of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. You can also download your own Catechism in your reading plan by visiting ascensionpress.com slash CIY. You can also click follow or subscribe in your podcast app for daily updates and daily notifications. Today is day 227. We are reading the last section on holy matrimony. We covered almost, well, I was going to say almost all the sacraments. There are no secret sacraments. These are the seven that we're talking about. These are the seven that exist, unless you want to call, you know, the church is the universal sacrament of salvation. But the seven sacraments, this is the last one. And these are the last notes on that note. Tomorrow and the next day, we have the last two pieces, the last two beats. And what those two beats are, they're going to be about sacramentals, right? And so there's sacramentals that in popular piety. And then the next day we're talking about Christian funerals. And so that's coming up kind of a, a, a lot of topics, but a lot of good content, which is amazing. Today is Nugget Day where we get to recover what is it that we learned about the sacrament of holy matrimony. And so as we launch into today, uh, let's call upon the Lord like we do every single day as we begin every single thing that we do. And we pray, Father in heaven, we give you praise and glory. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we ask that you please accept us. Receive us in the name of your son, Jesus. By the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord God, help us to listen to your voice, especially in our brokenness, in this moment, Lord God, in, in our struggle, and especially if we're pressing play on a moment right now, Father, where, where we're just like, I'm so far from you. I'm so far from you right now. I'm so far from, from living this life that you've called me to live. I'm so far from being faithful, God, meet us in this moment. Be with us in this moment. Meet us in our brokenness and help us to be unafraid to approach you. We have great fear of the Lord, yes, but let us not be afraid. And so we come before you invoking the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and, and claiming the promise of your Holy Spirit that helps us and enables us, gives us the power and the ability to pray. Be with us this day and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. This is day 227. We're reading the Nuggets, 1659 to 1666. In brief, St. Paul said, Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church. This is a great mystery, and I mean it in reference to Christ and the church. The marriage covenant, by which a man and a woman form with each other an intimate communion of life and love, has been founded and endowed with its own special laws by the Creator. By its very nature, it is ordered to the good of the couple, as well as to the generation and education of children. Christ the Lord raised marriage between the baptized to the dignity of a sacrament. The sacrament of matrimony signifies the union of Christ and the Church. It gives the spouses the grace to love each other with the love with which Christ has loved His Church— the grace of the sacrament thus perfects the human love of the spouses, strengthens their indissoluble unity, and sanctifies them on the way to eternal life. Marriage is based on the consent of the contracting parties, that is, on their will to give themselves, each to the other, mutually and definitively, in order to live a covenant of faithful and fruitful love. Since marriage establishes the couple in a public state of life in the church, it is fitting that its celebration be public in the framework of a liturgical celebration before the priest or a witness authorized by the church, 
the witnesses, and the assembly of the faithful. Unity, indissolubility, and openness to fertility are essential to marriage. Polygamy is incompatible with the unity of marriage. Divorce separates what God has joined together. The refusal of fertility turns married life away from its supreme gift, the child. The remarriage of persons divorced from a living, lawful spouse contravenes the plan and law of God as taught by Christ. They are not separated from the church, but they cannot receive Eucharistic communion. They will lead Christian lives, especially by educating their children in the faith. The Christian home is the place where children receive the first proclamation of the faith. For this reason, the family home is rightly called the domestic church, a community of grace and prayer, a school of human virtues, and of Christian charity. There we have it, paragraph 1659 to 1666. These are the second to last, I think second to last nuggets that we have before we enter into the next pillar, the third pillar. You guys, wow, we made it through uh, two, almost, almost two full pillars. Again, as I said at the beginning of this, we have two more days, uh, basically from paragraph 1667 to 1690. But today we have this reminder, this review of what it is, what the holy sacrament of matrimony, sacrament of holy matrimony really is. Now, we didn't necessarily talk too much yesterday about this reality of the domestic church. We talked a little bit about it, and we're going to hear more about it, as I mentioned yesterday, when we when it comes to commandment number four, about the, the duties of parents to children, the duties of children to parents, the responsibilities, the rights that parents have over their children, and the rights that children have with their parents. But there's this recognition that, again, if we go back to yesterday's reading, a little bit of yesterday's reading, because today, what do we say? It says, the Christian home is the place where children receive the first proclamation of the faith. For this reason, the family home is rightly called the domestic church, a community of grace and prayer, a school of human virtues and of Christian charity. We mentioned yesterday that this is the place. It's meant to be the place. Now, as we said so many times, we experience all of this. We experience this world under the regime of sin, right? We experience this world as those who suffer from the fall. And our families suffer from the fall. And, and our marriages suffer from the fall. And we suffer from the fall. And yet, at the same time, it's meant to be this place. In paragraph 1657, highlights this. It is there in family, in marriage in the family, that the father of the family, the mother, children, and all members of the family exercise the priesthood of the baptized in a privileged way, but how? By receiving the sacraments and not just simply the reception of the sacraments, but participating in the sacraments. So there is, there's an aspect in which, again, we receive, yeah, we receive, we receive the sacrament of confession. We receive the sacrament of the Eucharist. We receive the sacrament of anointing of the sick. We receive them, but we also, in an active way, participate in them. It's not, it's not a passive reception. So I will sometimes I'll think, think of it like this. When it comes to the mass, now we can we can be seated right when the proclamation of the word happens right when we we sit down at the mass and we hear readings from the old testament the psalms the new testament the gospels we can sit down and that being seated is not meant to be a, a posture of passivity and similarly when it comes to any of the sacraments it's not meant to be a posture of passivity but a posture of receptivity it's so different and I, I don't know if we mentioned this i think we might have mentioned this months ago actually by this point but it's that difference um I mentioned this, I think it was Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Is that the example that I had given? If this sounds familiar at all, where Fred Astaire was the professional dancer, Ginger Rogers, he danced with her. He said she was his favorite dance partner. Apparently, according to some sources, Ginger Rogers wasn't a professional dancer, although I think she made a living doing it. So that means professional, but, but she was the most amateur, I guess, of 
Fred Astaire's partners, but he loved dancing with her because she was so easy to be led because he was, it was his job, right? As the man in the, the kind of dancing they were doing, his job, his role was to lead her job wasn't to be passive, right? It wasn't to be dragged around on the dance floor was to be led. So he was going to lead. She was going to be led. He was going to be active. She was going to be receptive. He was going to offer, initiate. She was going to receive. So not to say active and passive, but he was initiating. She was receiving. And this is how all of us approach the sacraments, right? God is the one who's initiating. God is the one who's moving here. We're not passive. We are receptive. And similarly here, as it says in the domestic church, the father of the family, the mother, children, and all the members of the family exercise the priesthood of the baptized in a privileged way by the reception of the sacraments. So receptivity, which is participation in, however that makes sense. I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I think it is so important that we recognize the next time you go to confession, the next time you go to mass, that we're not there passively observing. We are actively participating in. We are receptive again to what's happening. Prayer and Thanksgiving goes on to say, this is, this is the privileged way, the witness of a holy life and self-denial and active charity. The witness of a holy life, self-denial and active charity that reminds us, right? What the end of our lives are meant to be, what the, what the goal of our life is meant to be. Union with Christ, union with God himself, becoming like God, becoming more and more like Jesus. That's why you were baptized. Salvation. I remember uh, Dr. Michael Barber had pointed this out in his book on salvation. He said, salvation is being saved from being unchristlike. It's not just salvation from hell. It's not just salvation from sin. In an even more profound and deeper way, it is salvation from being unchristlike. Salvation from a life lived devoid of Christ, a life lived that we could even be like Christ. Salvation is being saved from being unchristlike. And so we're called to the witness of a holy life, to be like Jesus, self-denial and active charity, to be active lovers in this world, right? To care for the people around us, starting with the people closest to us. Where? In the domestic church. And you recognize that since marriage is the fundamental building block of society, husbands caring for their wives and wives caring for their husbands, husbands pouring themselves out in love for their wives, wives receiving that love and pouring themselves back out for their husbands, forming a community, forming this stable and lasting building block from which comes life. As we highlighted this, it's essential that that couple be open to life. And even if they cannot have biological children of their own, to still have the kind of marriage that remains open to life, whatever that means for them in the sense of whether that means like they they don't adopt, but they find a way to, to pour themselves out to the people around them, or they do pursue adoption. I remember uh, really my, my best friend, he talked about how he and his wife were unable to conceive for the first decade or even maybe more um, of their marriage. And at one point, you know, for, for a long time, they were pretty content about that. That's okay. I mean, they're learning how to love each other, learning how to, how to grow together. But at one point, his wife turned to him and said, just, she's like, there's so much love in here. Like there's so much good in our marriage. I just, I, I, I want to be able to share it. Like I want it to be more. I want there to be more of us to share it with, like meaning she was expressing this, this, this deep rooted, deep seated desire for family. And <laughs> since the long story short, they ended up adopting, adopting uh, three children. And then um, after they adopted the third child, uh, she got pregnant for the first time and then had got pregnant a second time. So they have five kids in the space of like a day <laughs> or whatever it was in the space of just a couple of years. But that sense is here is the sacrament of holy matrimony. 
the love between a husband and a wife that is meant to be lived in such a way that the husband and wife say, this, this can't just be limited to the two of us. We want this to, we want this to live on in our kids, not to like a posterity for posterity's sake, not for like legacy's sake, but for love's sake. And in that, creating a school of love. In fact, that's what John Paul II called marriage in the family. He called it the school of love. Not because you get there uh, once you graduate, but it's that that's where we're supposed to learn how to love. Again, as I said, this is a little foreshadowing, a little teaser for when we get to the fourth commandment, because the way the church talks about that fourth commandment, honor thy father and mother, is so profound and is so beautiful. If you think this was beautiful and challenging, wait till we get to the commandments, because every one of them, every one of them is beautiful and challenging. But today, we have reached the end of our time talking about the seven sacraments. As I mentioned, tomorrow we'll talk about other liturgical celebrations like sacramentals and funerals. But today, what a great gift and be able to reach day 227 to get almost, almost to the end of this second pillar of the catechism and almost ready the day after, the day after tomorrow to begin that third pillar. Today, I'm telling you what I'm doing. Today, I am praying for you. Please pray for me. My name is Father Mike and I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless.